Thank you, Amy. It's uh, yeah, a bit more difficult now that uh, Scout's around. I thought that she was going to be bringing the message there for a little while. I'm sure she would like that. Many of you will have heard her um, screaming for joy. As soon as music starts at any uh, given time, she is a adorer of the arts. <laughs> um, uh, in fact, when I'm singing at home, she tends to try and copy me. Well, at least I think so. You know, he's screaming and Chanel calling out my name, Nathan, Nathan. I think they're just cheering me on. Um, that's the way I like to, to believe it anyway. Well, we're going to get uh, into the message um, pretty quickly this morning. Um, because I think you all know about how bad a gardener I am. I've shared about it a number of times. Um, I am the, the uh, brown thumb of the church. Ironically, um, uh, last year, Charles asked me to help do the garden out front. Um, yeah, it's, cu- it's come out all right, but there were other people involved, Ian. That, that's the thing. There are other people planting the trees. The thing is, I, have a lot of, I actually have a lot of knowledge about um, trees and gardening. When I was a child, when I was a child, when I was five years old, I used to read the uh, Don Burke's The Lazy Gardener for fun. Um, that, that, you know, maybe that just transferred into a bit of a prophetic message about Nathan in his 30s, the lazy gardener. Um, but I, I, I have always had an interest in gardening. I, I come from an Italian family. One thing, the, the stereotype exists about Italians and their fruit gardens and their large you know, uh, tomato plantations and, and whatnot that you get in, in suburban, um, suburban Melbourne. Well, that, that stereotype actually rings very true. That stereotype is actually, you know, what I grew up within, a very large almost acre in um, Rosanna that, that stretched out with fruit trees as far as the eye I could see fig trees, plum trees. I used to climb an apple tree and pick an apple directly out of the tree. That was what I grew up with within this, this whole um, uh, picture of, of a, the Italian garden was my life. And that's what I thought when I grew up and got married, I would be a gardener too. But unfortunately, garden takes some, gardening takes some practice. It takes uh, some knack to it. It takes... Uh, I don't know, I, I think it's actually some kind of mystic art where some people can somehow plant things and they live and other people somehow plant things and they just die. And let me be clear, I'm not actually in the, the plant, I plant them and they die phase. I'm more in the phase of if the plant was a human, I would bring it close to death I would just bring it back a little bit and then it'll get close to death again and just kind of be in this perpetual phase of, you know, almost almost gone but not quite, which you just put it out of its misery. I had a Monstera. It looked great when I got it from Bunnings, but when I had it for about uh, six months, it looked more like um, a monster than a Monstera. It was horrific. Its roots were growing out of the pot. It was brown on the edges but it was still kind of green on the the stump and Chanel made me throw it away because she said it was ugly. I mean I've endeavoured to look after succulents. My mum told me succulents are unkillable. 
you cannot kill a succulent. She lied to me. We have killed many succulents now. We, that, there hasn't been a succulent that I couldn't kill. In fact, when I keep some plants on the edge of life, succulents are the only plants I can bring to full death. Now, mum said that it's because I loved them too much. I gave them too much water. I drowned them to death, she said. But I don't know. Plants are meant to have water. So uh, apparently um, I'm not that good with, with the succulents. The other side of being a bad gardener is that you can't seem to kill the plants that you want to die. So I've got plants that are half alive and weeds that look like they're full of life. They're growing up. They're as tall as me. They're, you know, you try and pull them out of the ground, but they've taken serious root. Um, you know, they're challenging Californian sequoias for, for height. Um, yeah, they're, they're the, the kind of two extremes of, of Nathan's garden. So if you ever come to my house, don't, um, don't worry about commenting on how, how the garden looks. If you tell me it looks good, I'll know that you're, you're lying for my benefit and I'll appreciate that. Um, but you can be honest and tell me, Nathan, you need to pull up the grass that has overtaken the, the whole mulched area that's meant to be a, a vegetable garden. Um, yeah, that, that's part of the difficulty. Where does the tomato start and the weed begin? Is that a tomato plant or is that the prickly one that's going to hurt me? Uh, there, there's many different things that I don't understand. But I can name plants and I can um, identify them. But apparently that's not gardening. Currently in the life of our church, we're uh, talking about uh, going deeper. Going deeper with Jesus. Going deeper in God. And the, the thing that we're, we're speaking about around that uh, comes out of Colossians chapter 2. And it's verse 6 and 7. Um, and, that, and that verse talks about us putting our roots down deep into Christ. Paul writes this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives, lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This picture that Paul paints of a tree casting its roots down deep into the ground, uh, casting its roots uh, deep into Jesus Christ. It harkens actually back to Old Testament passages uh, where there were agricultural examples used to uh, talk about strength, about firm foundations. I mean, if we look at Isaiah, um, an oak is often used in Isaiah to denote strength. It talks about uh, uh, the oak um, in Isaiah 61, uh, the oak of righteousness. Uh, you find uh, pictures in the Old Testament uh, of uh, trees uh, and their fruit um, often denoting sensuality. If you read Song of Songs, um, which I have many times, um, I read it all the time to Chanel. Every night I sit down and I read chapter of Song of Songs. I think it's a good habit uh, to get into. I know all about pomegranates and deer and fields and a lot of agricultural examples uh, there. 
um, you find pictures of grass and fruit trees and um, of healthy vineyards in Jeremiah. Um, you see uh, pictures uh, right throughout the Old Testament using uh, the, the picture of trees to pull out a part of who God is, to understand and paint a picture of who God is. And Paul is doing the same in Colossians. He is using the picture of roots. Remember that, that, that Paul was a, a Pharisee. He was someone who had great uh, understanding of what the, the Old Testament would have said about God. And so he pulls out this picture of roots. He's using the same sort of terminologies that he would have, um, he would have known from the Old Testament to be a truth about how we worship God, how we follow God, how, uh, how we're grounded in God, how a strong foundation is built through, um, through uh, deepening our, um, our roots into who uh, God is. Now, for all my bad gardening, matched with my exceptional knowledge, Thanks, Linda. <laughs> Linda. Linda laughs at that. And I thought I had exceptional knowledge, but it turns out if you don't know that you can overwater succulents, you don't have exceptional knowledge. But that wasn't in Don Burke's The Lazy Gardener. Let me tell you. I know one thing, that large trees have and need large root systems. You can't have a large tree without a large root system. Who has ever seen a Morton Bay fig? If you walk through the, the botanic gardens in, in Melbourne, um, there's a huge Moreton Bay um, fig, this huge tree that dwarfs everything that it's around it. Its roots are so large and so expansive that it's pulling up the path that it, that it's nearby. It's, it's got strong, deep roots. And the tree itself, it looks like something out of Jurassic Park. It... It, it looks like it, there's a scene in Jurassic Park where they climb a tree so they can get away from the velociraptors that are running around down the bottom or whatever they were. The little dinosaurs, um, the spitting ones or the running ones. There's dinosaurs everywhere in Jurassic Park. So they go up a tree and a, a brontosaurus or a brachiosaurus. I don't know which one doesn't exist and which one does now. I used to be really into um, paleontology as a child as well. Uh, I had a subscription to a magazine where I'd um, carve out a, a little bit of clay every time and I'd get a little glow-in-the-dark bone and I'll put it together and I'd get my, my big uh, T-Rex. Yes, I was a nerd growing up. That, that is, um, I'm probably still a nerd, but that's okay. Um, in this huge tree, this is what the, the Morton Bay fig reminded me of, this scene where they're sitting in a, in a giant tree and I was just taken by the magnificence of size of, of the, this tree. They're actually also in, um, in the Adelaide Botanical Gardens. I remember as a child playing around these trees where the, the roots seemed like this, to be above the ground. They, they seemed to be above the ground, but knowing that they went much further, they were gigantic, obvious roots. And these trees, they dwarf everything that's, that's around it. It's a 
a gigantic, gigantic tree. In fact, on Lord Howe Island, there's a Moreton Bay fig that has an estimated one hectare root system. One hectare of roots alone. If you plant these trees in your back garden, which I wanted to do, but was advised strongly against it by the uh, local greenery. Um, <laughs> again, showing my, my great knowledge of trees here. It would have ripped up the foundations of my home. It, it was The root systems are that big, that, um, that strong. Because if, it's go- if a tree is going to grow to the size of a Moreton Bay fig, which is which is up to thir- like 30 metres tall, it needs to have a huge root system to support it. They're big, imposing trees. But what's the opposite? What's the absolute opposite of a gigantic, imposing tree? Give me an uh, idea of a plant that is the opposite of imposing. I just, as far as the tree itself. Yeah, or a tree. What, is, what tree is the absolute opposite of imposing? What's that? Bonsai. Bonsai is the absolute opposite of imposing. The, they are actually tiny. And if you walk through a supermarket, uh, a supermarket or a, or a um, shopping centre, you often just walk th- past tables of, of bonsai. You don't walk past a table of bonsai and go, wow, how impressively large is that? You go, oh, how cute is that? It's so tiny. It looks... I could get a little man and put it under the tree and, you know, it would look like he's having a rest. Um, you, could, you could just put it on your table and it's like you've got a full-size tree sitting on your table. But bonsai, though pretty, are deliberately stunted. Their roots are cut, their branches are pruned. It is planted in a shallow pot so the root can never go deep. But the DNA of a bonsai plant is exactly the same as a tree that's planted in our garden. The DNA of a Morton Bay fig that is made into a bonsai and will sit on a kitchen table is exactly the same as the Morton Bay fig that is in the Botanic Garden's in Melbourne, this giant, impressive, imposing tree. And in fact, the bonsai Morton Bay figs are pretty common plants. I walk past the bonsai stalls. I look at them all the time. I want to buy one because I think the Morton Bay fig is such a cool tree. I think that maybe I can look after a bonsai. I know I'm fooling myself, but I think maybe I can look after it. Maybe I can not kill it. But for all the novelty of having a Morton Bay fig sitting on my kitchen bench, 
It's not the real thing, is it? I'm not going to be able to get shade in its branches. I'm not going to be able to climb the roots. I'm not going to look at it and go, wow, what an impressive, imposing tree. I'm not going to think that looks like a tree from Jurassic Park unless I get a cute little Brachiosaurus figurine and put it underneath the bonsai. I haven't thought about this at all. Um, It's not the real thing. It looks lovely. It appears just like the real thing, only only, uh, shrunken, Um, but it doesn't behave like the real thing. In reality, these bonsais, because of their tiny size, are fragile. They become root-bound, therefore fragile. It's easy to kill a bonsai tree. It's easy to kill a Morton Bay fig that's been made into a bonsai, but it's very difficult to kill a full-size Morton Bay fig. Bonsai trees can produce fruit, but it's only relative to their size. It's not going to produce a large amount of fruit. You're not going to get 100 apples off a bonsai apple tree. You're going to maybe get a few crab apples or something of that, that variety. You're never going to get mature fruit. You're never going to get healthy fruit. And you know what? Bonsai trees can look from one perspective like a mature tree. It can look like it's a mature tree, but in reality... It's just stunted. It's deliberately stunted, so it looks mature, but stays tiny, stays tabletop size. And it occurred to me that the, ca- the comparison between these awesome trees and their tiny counterparts uh, speaks to the way that we can often be in our own Christian walk. We can often cut the roots of ourselves and others through empty tradition. In Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. Things that are grown on Christ have a deep root They're healthy. They're strong. They grow to maturity. Anything else is planted shallow and will never produce good fruit or even become all that God has designed us to be. We instead become constricted by uh, philosophies and traditions, by spiritual uh, forces of the world, all of which constricts our roots and produces stunted growth. Consider this. Instead of stunted roots, a depth of spiritual root being rooted deep in Jesus Christ, Christ produces a strong, mature, fruitful Christian life. A bonsai, on the other hand, is manufactured. Because it's deliberately crafted shallow roots, it's fragile, it produces vastly less fruit, and although appearing mature, is actually tiny. We, we can be like bonsai Christians. We can be like Christians who remain in a small pot, not rooted deep in Christ, but only rooting into the surface. 
We are deprived of enough nourishment and sustenance to grow to the fullness of God's design and don't have the room that's necessary for fruit bearing and growth. Yet, we grow content in our little pot. That's all we know. We're happy being there, getting by with little to no food. We're content with a Sunday service. We're content to get there late, leave early. We're content not to connect with people. We're content just to chuck a quick prayer before meals. We're content to read the Word of God or not. Uh, We're content to only read the Word of God if it fits into our busy schedules. Um, it, It becomes all about empty tradition. We're happy to say grace. We're happy to turn up to church on Sunday. We're happy to read the Word of God if it's convenient, but if it's all empty tradition, if it's all just something that we do because it's what we do, not out of uh, trying to live a life that's going deeper with God, that's letting God's roots, uh, letting our, our roots grow deep into who God is, then it just becomes something that is stunting our growth. We think it's enough to just tend to our Christian walk. We look like a mature Christian, but our stature is small. We look like a mature tree, but we've actually become tiny. It's like a bonsai. And I'm pretty sure that's how the enemy wants to keep us. The enemy doesn't want us to grow into full maturity. The enemy does not want us to grow into, uh, into a strong, um, fruitful uh, Christian. The enemy wants us to stay stunted. The enemy wants us to actually be uh, thinking that we're mature, thinking that we're growing, but actually keeping us small, keeping us contained keeping us from spreading our roots into who Jesus is, keeping us from growing into the fullness of who Christ has designed us to be. But God has not intended for us to play it small. God did not intend for us to shrink back, to snip our roots, to make ourselves as small as possible, to to make ourselves um, an ornament in the church, in Isaiah 61, uh, verses uh, 1 to 3, this is, these are the very verses that Jesus unrolls when he goes into the, the temple and reads from the scroll at the beginning of his ministry. A very powerful, very beautiful uh, passage um, that displays God's splendor. And you know it, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. 
the people that God is planting in this picture, this eschatological picture, that's an that's a end times picture. This is what God's establishing um, through His servant, through Jesus, being establishing His church. What He's establishing are people that are called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. You were made to display God's splendor. I mean, it's hard to believe. When I look in the mirror, I don't think, wow, you display God's splendor, Nathan. You know, when I think of myself, I often sit my own roots. I start to think about all the things that have constricted me or make me unworthy of God's love, all this kind of stuff. Instead of thinking, I need to grow deeper into who God has created to me to be so I may display His glory. So I may display His glory. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself just as someone who's not good enough, who deserves to stay playing small, who deserves to stop um, growing in Him because of the, the past situations you've been in or uh, what you think of yourself, or do you see yourself as God sees you, as a planting who He wants to grow to its fullest potential to display His splendor through? That's who God wants us to grow into. You know, when it comes to the Morton Bay fig, it's a commanding sight. The tiny Morton Bay figs in the shopping center are walked by shoppers in shopping centers every day without a second thought. When I was at the Botanical Gardens, I mean, it must have really um, took me, like it really took, took me by surprise, this huge tree. There were people taking photos of this massive Morton Bay fig. They were, they were so impressed by it. They're there taking photos. I've never seen anyone at one of the, the middle of the shopping centre, bonsai stalls that you see, taking photos of a tiny Morton Bay fig on a table. But God has called us to grow in Him, to glorify Him, to point to Him. He's called us to display God's goodness through how we live. And if, it's going, and if we're going to grow to display God's splendor, then our root system had better be in the right place and it better be in the right space. Because if it's in the wrong planting, if we've planted ourselves on the wrong foundation, if we've planted ourselves on a shallow foundation apart from Jesus, or if we've planted ourselves on Jesus' light, if we've taken away all of the, the, the depth of Christ and only put as much of Jesus into a pot as we, we would like to give, then we would never reach our, our full potential. Deep root systems provide strength. Deep-rooted trees are strong and they can weather storms. Just as those who are deeply rooted in Christ can weather the storms of life. When I was a young warthog, no, when I was a, sorry, I just heard, um, just heard the, Hakuna Matata start up there. Uh, when I was a young pastor, um, a man uh, who now goes uh, to the north campus of, of Uni Hill, a man 
uh, called Chris, uh, prophesied over me. He said, you know what, Nathan, you look like an imposing tree. You look like an imposing tree, You're like an oak. But your roots are shallow. And if you don't cast down your roots deeper, the hefty wind, the storms of life are going to knock you over. And he was right. I did have a shallow root system. I had all the Bible college, but had not gone deeper, had not allowed my roots to go deeper. And as time went on and the storms of life happened, as my responsibilities as a pastor grew, what do you think happened? I burnt out. My roots weren't deep enough. I'd spent all my time cultivating what people saw, but didn't spend any time cultivating what was beneath the surface. And the thing about a large tree with a shallow root system is it's dangerous. Trees that grow huge with shallow root systems will blow over in the wind. They'll, they'll hit people. They'll hit houses. They'll fall on cars. They'll fall across roads. And it's the same with people. People who have shallow root systems, who have large ministry portfolios or, or large um, uh, imposing looking um, uh, responsibilities, but with shallow root systems, when it comes to the storm, burnout. They fall over. They become a danger to other people around them. They become an accident waiting to happen. But when we're deeply rooted in Christ, there's strength. Strength to weather the storm. When we have deep root systems, we're more fruitful. There's an adage, the healthier the roots, the healthier the fruits. Now, I think that adage is actually a Dolly Parton song. Um, But I don't know if Dolly Parton's a great gardener, but it stands to reason the larger a tree gets, the more fruit, the healthier fruit it's going to produce. I had a pear tree in my backyard, and that pear tree I planted into straight clay, and it was going to grow from my hopes and wishes. There was no nutrients in the soil When they had built my house, they had excavated all of the good soil away and just left the clay. I dug into the clay. It took a lot of work. took a lot of work to get enough um, room in there. I put the the tree in there and uh, said a a quick prayer and and let it go. And um, guess what? It became root-bound in the ground. Its root systems couldn't grow. And because the root system couldn't grow, it produced no fruit. It was the stupidest pear tree. I I had these dreams of sitting in my back garden, picking a pear off the tree, munching on my pear. No, um, all that happened is it died about two years after I planted it. Deep root systems, though, provide healthy fruit. And the deeper that we stretch into Christ, the more fruit we produce out of the nourishment that that root system provides. If you plant a tree into dense clay soil, it won't grow. If you don't plant your roots into healthy, the healthy soil, which is Jesus, if we're not connected to Jesus, we will not bear fruit. In John 14, 
we know the passage, abiding in Christ produces fruit and fruit that will last. If we're not connected to the vine, if we're not connected to Jesus, we will not bear fruit. A fruitless tree is only an ornament. A fruitless tree is only an ornament. It's there to be observed. It's there to look pretty, but it does nothing for anyone except look nice. Fruit trees provide food, nourishment for the people that are around it as it produces fruit. Deep root systems provide maturity. A mature tree is a tree that has reached its full height and potential. In order to grow to maturity, the roots of a tree have to be able to stretch out. Pot-bound trees never reach their full potential. They're stunted in their juvenile stage, uh, never producing good fruit crops. And it's the same for people. People who don't grow in maturity, never reach their full potential. I'm sure we can all think of somebody like that, that had great potential, great potential, great potential to do amazing things for God, great potential to to really um, uh, uh, be something magnificent that glorifies God's name. But because they refused to mature because they got stuck in petty argument or bitterness or anger or they got stuck in this immaturity, they never reached their full potential. In Psalm 1, we read about the tree that is planted by streams of living water. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of living water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers." When a Jewish person reads this passage, that the, a, a, a Jewish individual would have read this passage and, and thought about the Torah. They would have thought about the firm foundations and flourishing roots that come from following the law, from meditating on the law. But we as Christians, when we read Psalm 1, uh, we don't read it with the Torah in mind, do we? We don't read it and go, oh, the yeah, that stream of, of living water that, that the roots reach down into, that's, that's the law. We read it and we think of, of and we put Jesus in that, that situation. We read it with Jesus in mind because we know Jesus is the living water. We know that Jesus is a spring of living water and being planted in Jesus is the best place to flourish. And Paul understands this when he writes, uh, writes uh, Colossians. Um, he goes. He understands firm foundations come not from the Torah, but from Jesus. That's why he writes that the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus. The fullness that is in Jesus is diametrically opposed to the empty traditions of man. 
The traditions of man are carnal. They're worldly. They point to self and they do not point to Christ. Empty traditions are shallow and they don't result in growth. Now, Shane Varco, about three months, uh, came up to me after the service and we're having a conversation. He just said this throwaway line, as Shane often does, this throwaway line that has profound implications and that you, you walk away thinking about for, you know, the next three months until you, you can share it with other people and pretend it's yours. No, um, uh, I mean, maybe he's doing the same thing from another source. I'm not sure. But, you know, um, it was really profound. He says, we want God to simply tend to our current situations and not transform it. God actually wants to transform us from the roots. God doesn't just want to tend to our current situation, make our current um, uh, stunted growth just a little bit healthier. He wants to free us from the pot that constrains us. He wants to let us run our roots deep into Him. He wants to transform us from the root up for our good and for His glory. He does not just want to Ben, uh, attend to the pot bound and the broken. He wants to transform, completely restore, completely change the way that a tree behaves. God doesn't want us to remain shallow. He wants us to go deeper. He wants us to grow into the fullness that He intended. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be a blessing to those around us simply by the way that we exist the way that we exist, and by the way that we exist, if we're rooted in Christ, then, then, the way we grow glorifies His name, does it not? The Colossian church was being deceived by heretical teachings, the Colossian heresy. They were adding to the fullness that was already in Jesus, trying to explain or understand uh, Jesus through the lens of Gnosticism and other philosophies uh, common to the ancient world. That's why Paul writes, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than Christ. If we are not deep-rooted in Christ, then we are at risk of being deceived by hollow philosophies current to our time. We are at risk of being deceived by social philosophies current to our time. We are at risk of putting the uh, understanding of right that the world has above the understanding of right that Jesus, that God speaks to us through His world. And we are at risk of being deceived by spiritual forces and empty traditions. Paul's answer to safeguard us from deception is being deep-rooted in Christ Jesus as Lord. Jesus wants us to grow in Him. He wants us to lay down our roots into Him, to nourish ourselves from Him spiritually, to go to Him 
whenever we're in need, to lay down deep roots. It doesn't matter how long we've spent being pot-bound or away from the nourishment that Jesus provides. He wants us to plant ourselves in Him so that we can experience fullness of life. And that is a wonderful term. That is a wonderful term. It's a beautiful term, and a wonderful concept, not simply surviving through this life on the dregs of soil that's left over in a pot that someone put there when they decided to cut your roots. But fullness of life, fullness of potential, growing deeply into Christ and experiencing life as it was meant to be and as it can be because we are rooted in the one who nourishes life, the one who created life, the one who designed you to live. If we're planted in Jesus, we're planted in the one who made us and the one who made us will bring us to our full potential. Anything less is the wrong potting mix. It's putting the rose potting mix in the citrus tree and there's acidity differences. I know that from the uh, lazy gardener. And how do we do that? How do we grow deeper into Christ? Well, worshipping Him, as Greg said last week, with our muchness. Psalm 1 tells us that the prosperity and happiness of the righteous depends upon their finding delight in the Lord's Torah. It says, whose light, uh, delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. How is delight to be found? For the Jewish writer, it's achieved by constant meditation upon the Torah, which is God's instruction. And as instruction, it contains guidance from the Creator as to the meaning of creation. Life lived, not rooted in Christ Jesus, is a life lived in futility. It's a life lived without fundamental purpose discovered. What a sad way to live, not knowing your fundamental purpose. The meaning of human existence, which is enshrined in the Torah, and uh, the Jew would have believed is found through uh, meditation upon the Torah. For the Jew... Meditation on the Torah governed healthy growth. It was a preeminent thought in every area of life, as Greg was, was speaking about last, just last week. But for us, Jesus becomes the fulfillment of the law. And for Paul, we become established, deeply rooted, flourishing when we put aside empty traditions, worldly living, and find our fundamental purpose in life. To consider Jesus first in every area of life so we may be deeply rooted in Jesus Christ, worshipping Him with everything we have, our time, our money, our work, our voice, the way we speak, the way our marriage works, the way we treat people, the way we study, the way we parent, the way we share Jesus, the time we spend in prayer with all of our muchness, as Greg 
put it. For the Jew, that was the Torah in every area of life. It governed every area. But for us, Jesus should be governing every area of how we do life. Our worship extends far beyond these four walls. It it extends into your home and the way you treat your family. It extends into uh, your friendship and the way you treat your friends. It extends into your school and the way you t- treat your teachers. It extends into uh, the, the way that we govern our money. It extends into every area of life. Worshipping Jesus, who is God in all of his fullness with all of our muchness, with everything that we have. If the Torah was God's instruction, worshipping Christ Jesus of Lord is God's fullness. Let me simplify this in its most basic form. What all this means, if you come to church to worship God and the rest of your week doesn't give him a second thought, then you have become now, if Greg gets to coin theological terms such as muchness, I think I should get to uh, coin sociological terms. You've become a bonsai Christian. A bonsai Christian, you can go to the last side, slide, Nath. Bonsai Christian lives with their fundamental purpose undiscovered, pop bound, stunted. Instead of casting their roots deep into Jesus, they live on the surface. And being a follower of Jesus, if going deeper with him only registers to what we do on a Sunday, then we have missed the point. We've become pot-bound. We'll never reach our full potential. As Christians, we need to be out of the pot. We need to be spreading our roots deep and wide beyond the limitations that we often place on the worship of Jesus. And we often think, of worship, not as everything that we do, but just what we do here on a Sunday before the preaching. And it's only two songs because, you know, the first song is a praise song. So it's like praise and worship. And so worship is those two songs Amy chooses. Um, that That's the worship. That's my weekly worship. If that's what you're doing, then you're not worshiping him really. Now, I don't think any of us actually think that the two worship songs on Sunday is what it means to worship Jesus. But I think practically sometimes that's how we live. Practically sometimes we live worshipping Jesus on a Sunday, looking like a mature plant. But when we get out of the hour and a half on a Sunday morning, We're back to living how we want, doing life how we want. We go deeper with Jesus because as we go deeper with Jesus, we have more strength to weather life's storms. As we go deeper with Jesus, we have more, we produce more and more fruit. As we go deeper with Jesus, we move into true true maturity. And as we go deeper with Jesus, he helps us grow. We become a testament to God's splendor. We'll get the band to come back up if I could. We go deeper because God doesn't want a bunch 
of ornamental churches that never reach their full potential. God wants oak trees. He wants Morton Bay figs. He wants people unconstricted by shallow roots. He wants, God doesn't want bonsais. He wants full potential realized. And he wants us to break out of what is limiting our growth in him so that our growth, our fruitfulness, our maturity might exalt him. A bonsai tree planted in this tiny pot compared to the same tree planted in the ground whose roots can go deep. They're two trees with the exact same DNA, the exact same potential. But where it's planted will define how it grows. It will define what it grows into. And the same can be said for us. Although God puts the seed of potential in every single one of us to live supersized Christian lives that are a testament to God's splendor, too often we live like a bonsai with bonsai results. Something is missing. And what's missing is a deep root a root that stretches deep into the Holy Spirit, into the living water and provides a firm foundation for us to grow in. That firm foundation brings capability for us to weather life's storms without fear, to be fruitful and to mature. We become a living testament to Jesus' power, a living testament to His magnificent magnificence, a living testament to His beauty. It's the way that we were designed to live. Jesus isn't some countertop shallow ornament that we bring out when it's convenient. We can't just wait until our lives look perfectly manicured or it's appropriate to bring Him out. He can't be put away in a cupboard. We can't hide Him when we're too embarrassed that we haven't taken care of it. Our faith isn't a bonsai. It isn't an ornament. It's all-encompassing. It's deep-rooted. It grows bigger. It can't be hidden. And it's not just for us. It's not just to look upon and go, that's pretty. It's for there. It's for the community. It's for the people that surround these four walls. That's why we need to cast our roots deep so we can grow to our full potential, so that people from the community can find shade under our branches, so that people that don't know Jesus can find fruit on our branches that they desperately need, so that people can find a mature tree when they come to the house of God, not a immature shrunken, stunted ornament. Jesus is the foundation for a healthy, thriving, beautiful life 
He provides strength in the storm, nourishment for a fruitful life. He matures us to become the fullest version of ourselves. But He doesn't do this just so we feel good about ourselves. He does this for a world that needs it. He does it for a world that needs us. That's what we're setting up when we cast our roots deep into Him, that we would be called oaks of righteousness, planted by Him for the display of His splendor. For the display of His splendor. There is a community. There is a nation. There is a world that needs to know the glory of our God. They need to know the wonderful works of Jesus Christ. They need to know what He does for this world and what He has done for this world. And if we don't grow to our full potential, if we don't grow into maturity, then we will never display His splendour the way He designed us to. We will never display the way He designed us to because we have stunted in our growth. But we should be like magnificent oaks, magnificent trees that grow into all they can be for the good of those who do not yet know Him. We don't shrink back. We don't shrink back. It is not humility to not grow to your full potential because we have some kind of shame or or misplaced thought. We grow to our full potential so that we, so that we, we grow to our full potential so that we can be people that nourish our community, our nation, our world. We grow to our full potential to nourish this place. Will you stand with me? Lord God, we pray that in my life, that in the lives of everybody in this room, that you would break what is constricting the roots of our life, that we may run deeply into you, that we may run deeply into you, Jesus. We pray, Lord God, that we would grow beyond immaturity to maturity, that we would grow and become strong in You, Lord God, fruitful in You, mature in You, Lord God, not for our own glory, Lord God, but for Yours. Not for our own glory, Lord God, so that we might boast, but so we may boast in You. Let us become oaks of righteousness. Let us become trees of righteousness that speak to our community, to our state, to our nation, to our world. Jesus Christ is the King of kings, Lord of lords, and His splendour is great.